Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. So, if, you, uh, if you've been here with us, we've been talking about stewardship throughout the month of January. This, this idea that God is expecting us to manage and create with, with the things that he's given us in all aspects of our lives. And if you haven't been here, I want you to think of stewardship um, with a particular mindset. I think of the times when someone has, you know, made me food and it's, hey, just, just take the dish and, I, you know, I'll, I'll bring it back after I, um, I'm done with it. And naturally, before I bring it back to him, I want to wash it. And I hate washing dishes. But if it's someone else's pot, uh, you know, uh, bacon pan, whatever it is, I'm going to make sure that that is the cleanest dish in the house before I give it back to them. I've even had times where if there was like a particular, you know, a baked in stain on, on the glass, I'm like going through old photos trying to figure out was that there already when they gave it to me or is, is this something I did? Um, but I want you to think of stewardship in that way when you think of your money, your talent, your family, all these different things, like they said in the song, like these family and friends, these things are heaven sent. This is something God has let you borrow, and that sense of responsibility and wanting to take care of it should be just a little bit higher than normal than you would if it was just your own thing. And so maybe when it comes to money, you yourself may think, you know what, I made $1,000, only spent 600 what's the big deal? I'm in the good. Or maybe for another person, you say, you know, you got a budget. It's wise. Dave Ramsey, this, 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 that. And I think the Bible is calling us to something higher than just human wisdom of business strategies. It's calling us something higher to just just be focused on the bottom line. This is God's money, right? And that should push us a little further. Maybe even for like myself, I get tired of my dad being on me saying, you should change the oil in your car. You should clean your gutters. But if I'm saying that God blessed me with this home and he blessed me with this car, then outside my dad's advice, there's a higher call for me to take care and steward my property. So we're going to talk about stewarding the light today. Uh, and this is going to come from Matthew chapter 5, uh, a little bit into the, the Sermon on the mount, mount there. And it'll be on the screen for you. It says, you are the salt of the earth, verses 13 through 16. Sorry, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, for me, this, this verse 16 has kind of been like seared in my brain because as a kid, we used to go to the Church of God in Christ annual convention in Memphis, Tennessee every year. And I had to, my sister and I, we had to sing in the Sunshine Band. The Sunshine Band was a group of us 200 or so 8 to 12 year olds who were at the convention who had volunteered their Saturday mornings <laughs> to go sing in a choir. And we would have these huge 
bright yellow oversized shirts because we were all eight on and we were all super stiff and we were singing the choir and we're all swaying different ways because we don't have rhythm yet. And we'd sing this song over and over again, let your light so shine. And in, in rehearse, rehearse, we we'd practice the same song over and over and over again. And then afterwards, the choir director, he or she would tell us the meaning of it. And they'd say, oh, well, your light shine. And that means, you know, you should you should give to God more. And then they'd pass an offering plate around. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, then they'd say, oh, you need to go to church more. And you need to do this. So you should, you know, do this at school. You should wear this bright orange, bright yellow shirt to school uh, so people know that you're in the Sunshine Band. And just all these things are like, um, but it seemed to make sense, right? As a, as a nine-year-old, you're like, okay, let your light so shine. So men might see your good work. Glorify your Father who's in heaven. It, it kind of made sense. Um, but I want to offer you a different perspective um, than that. I want to offer you the perspective of letting your light shine is not about necessarily going out and you coming to church more, or you studying your Bible more, or you working for this nonprofit more. Um, but it is necessarily about um, are you letting this light you already have shine? So I want to illustrate that um, just a little bit. Got my props here. This is level two preaching. <laughs> I don't actually believe that, just for clarity. <laughs> all right. So, I think this, yeah, it'll, it'll be all right. Don't overthink this. It's not a trick question. Show of hands, who can see this light? Great. <laughs> Joel, why are you here? You <laughs> Show of hands now, who can see this light? Yeah, 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 yeah. So here, I'm not letting the light shine. Here, I am letting the light shine, and now all men can see it. Now, what didn't happen, though this light was being let shine, everyone see this light did not get up off the candle stand and present itself to each person, but simply by me not hiding it under this basket. The light that was already shining was allowed for all men to see. And I think you kind of see that here in the verse, if you maybe work it backwards, right? We're saying, well, how do you let your light shine before this so that they can, they can all see? Well, in the same way that a lamp would give light to all in the house, simply by not putting it under the basket. So again, what I want your focus to be, at least for this sermon, we're leaving here, is when we're talking about stewarding your light, how do you let your light shine? Not what do I need to go out and go do, but I really want you to be thinking about what am I doing personally to hide my light? What can I start doing in the next week or so to not do this maneuver here? What, can I, what situations do I get in that make me want to cover up the fact that I'm a Christian? In what ways am I not showing that I carry the light of the knowledge of the saving power of Jesus Christ? Does that make sense? Right? So that's the big question we're answering. How do we hide our light? Um, but that's semi-impossible with all of you here, right? Some of you are 16, some of you are 60, married, single, in college, whatever it is. So I, what I wanted to actually do to answer how do you answer light is answer why do we hide our light? Because the 16-year-old and the 60 may still have the same why, even though their hows are very different. So I'm going to give you four whys, all right? I'm going to try to help, Charles. <laughs> all right. Oh, I'm behind. There we go. <laughs> 
first why we don't believe. And again, um, I think it will be most helpful if, if you take note of these four things because the examples I give still may not apply to you, right? We live so different lives, but just go home and look at it and say, okay, how and where am I doing this? And maybe, hopefully, some of these things you say, this doesn't even apply to me, which is fine, but go home, take it, think about it. We don't believe. Now, when I say don't believe, I'm not talking about do you actually believe in God or anything because the presence of the light kind of assumes if you have the light, you have the knowledge um, of, of Jesus. But I am saying maybe you believe in God, maybe you believe in Jesus, you're a Christian, but you're not too sold on the idea that you praying for someone will actually make a difference in whether or not they get out the hospital sooner. Maybe some of those more spiritual things, you're like, I don't know if I'm really buying all that. And why does it matter? I would just reckon for a lot of us, well, if you, if you don't think your prayers help the sick, you're probably less likely to actually pray for the sick, though they need our prayers. Right? And sometimes you feel this way because this has been your life experience. You've prayed for people, and they didn't get out the hospital. They got worse. And so you may feel like, you know what, uh, you say all these things, like the song says, Waymaker, Miracle Provider, and it's like, you know what, if you ask me, do I believe in God, you ask me what the gospel is, I can tell you all that, but if you ask me, what do I need for comfort and peace, I'm going to tell you, you should get a dog. Because I don't really believe all these other things that they're selling in the church about who Jesus is. Hmm. Maybe you're not coming from a place of hurt. It's starting to burn that. <laughs> Maybe you're coming from a place of pride <laughs> where you say, okay, I have a friend, and their life is just in shambles. And someone's actually, well, why haven't you invited them to church? Don't you think a church family would be good for them? And you say, well, no, because you don't think that of yourself. And you say, my life's in order because I had good parents, I'm responsible, and I use common sense. So naturally, you, when you look at the next person whose life is in shambles, you think, they need to get away from their crazy family. They need to use common sense. They need to be more responsible. I don't really believe that a loving, supportive church family will help them out because I don't even believe that about myself. I just got it together. Maybe you do believe. Maybe you're just scared if we get that up there. Yeah, maybe you're just scared. You're scared of what that friend at school or that person at work is going to think of you if they know you're a Christian. And maybe it's because you've heard them already say something about Christians or you've heard them like really say something aggressive about people who have a certain political view and you realize, well, I agree with that and you don't want them to know that, that you're one of them. And so what happens, they say, hey, what'd you do this weekend? And we give the full play-by-play, but we conveniently leave out what you did 9 to noon on Sunday morning. They say, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, well, Saturday got up. Went to first watch, came back, shoveled some snow, did some shopping, hang out with some friends Saturday night, and then Sunday I uh, watched football, and then we went and had dinner. And the church gap is missing. Mm. Or maybe you don't even do that. They say, what would you do this weekend? You're like, ah, nothing. But go back to that mindset. If, if all you have is heaven sent, if all you have is from God, your family, your friends, your money, then the formal time we've set aside to thank him for those things is not nothing. If God really is God, then the formal time we've set aside to praise and worship him is not nothing. And truly, no one who's here today, if you came here with a mind to actually praise and worship God, you cannot say you did nothing this weekend. 
because it's not nothing. Maybe you're so worried. We fall into this high-quality trick of the enemy that church, uh, that's, that's not worth talking about. You don't need to bring that up. You'll be weird. Kids will think you're weird. Your, friend, your coworkers are going to stop talking to you. You're going to get fired if you talk about God. You know, because here in the red state of Indiana, they're persecuting Christians left and right. <laughs> Don't talk about God. It'll be bad for you. Right? But, but, but we fall for it. The truth is, right? I've, I've worked a lot of jobs. A lot. <laughs> I've worked at a church, religious, nonprofit, secular nonprofit, for-profit office setting, in and around a hospital, in and around schools, retail, warehouse, I'm sure I'm missing something. And I can tell you, most of the time, not blanket statement, most people are talking about everything but work. And the people who are like actually trying to get work done can tell you this. It's like, hey, just shut up, do some work. Right? I've, I've been in a hospital where, you know, the, the, the employees were just, um, where, who would have been president this time? Obama. They're just like, just dragging Obama through the mud about his policies and how it's affecting health care and this, this, and that. And they're just talking bad. But then, right, we fall to the trick that says, sure, um, I know my employees are willing to talk divisive politics, but it'd still be inappropriate if I ever bring up God. Fall for that trick been working at the mall. I worked at Express for five years in the mall. I had one time at a, a manager uh, and an employee. They were talking about who they had sex with the previous night. In detail, over the headset, everyone can hear this. But yet, how easy it to still fall for the trick to say, yeah, I, I know my coworkers are willing to talk about their sex lives. But if I talked about God, that's unprofessional. That's inappropriate. I might get fired. Right? Ben, working in a school, recruiting, go to meet a principal, and he's on the phone. He's like, wait a second. And then he gets off, he or she gets off, hangs up the phone, and immediately starts dropping F-bombs about the parent he just hang up on. If he worked in a school, you've probably seen it. And some of the times... I don't even know this person. I meet them for the first time. But yet we still fall for the trick that says, I can't talk about God to this person. That's inappropriate. That's unprofessional. Even though I know he's willing to drop F-bombs about parents, break all kind of purple laws about telling student data <laughs> to me, this person he doesn't even know. We get scared. Maybe we're not... Maybe we believe. Maybe we're not scared. We just kind of, we just kind of say, "I ain't gonna do it." I believe. I'm not scared. I'm just not going to do it. We just we get disobedient sometimes, right? Oftentimes we wanna. I wanna thank God that made the team, but then don't do any of God's work on the team. God blessed me with this job. God called me to this job. Well, if he called you to the job, then he may have called you to the coworkers, right? He didn't give you the job just so you can do the job. That's not your, 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 that's not your real job there. We say, God called me to this neighborhood. Well, if he called you to the neighborhood, then he called you to the neighbors, right? But yet we can go five, ten years 
without ever speaking or barely speaking to the five people you can see from your porch. But God called you to this neighborhood. And I don't say this talking down to anyone. I'm a, I'm a prime victim. In our, in our own cul-de-sac, there's a, there's a, if you've ever been to a house, the biggest house there when you first come in, um, there's a guy there, and he has, I don't know if it's granddaughters or nieces, but these real young girls there over the summer, they come. And what usually happens, I come home, I do my usual routine, I finish whatever song I'm listening to. I don't like, if I don't like cutting the song off in the middle of the song, I think that's disrespectful. So I finish whatever song I'm listening to, and then I get out, check the porch, go check the mail. When the summer, when these girls are home, they get on, they see you coming in, they get on the tricycles, and they ride over to you while you're at the mailbox, and they just talk and talk and talk and talk. And then one of them even goes in the garage, and she starts playing with all my tools and the, the like the blade on the, the lawnmower. I was like, like, <laughs> like, these girls are like messing me up. And one time even, they had been out there for like 20 minutes, and Carrie came out and was like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, yeah, Little gremlins that won't <laughs> let me go in the house. And I remember distinctly one time coming home, and I'm pu- I pull into the cul-de-sac. The girls see me. They hop on the tricycle. I'm like, oh, no. I speed up, pull into the garage, and I close the garage with my car still running because I wanted to not talk to them that bad. If there's a check in the mailbox, I just hope nobody takes it. It's just, it's, uh, I gotta, I'm not doing it. But here I am, Cletus Jones, youth director, literally hiding in my garage from the youth in the neighborhood. The neighborhood God said, I say God called me to. But we all do it. Maybe you don't hide in your garage like me. Maybe you just, you just hide on the couch watching Netflix. Maybe you just hide in front, of the, in front of the PlayStation Xbox. Maybe you just hide at work, pick up extra shifts you don't actually have to take, right? And sometimes we do it in the name of safety. A kid will actually ask you, hey, mom, can this person come over? And we're like, oh, no, because people are crazy now. You don't know if they're going to come in and do this. It's like, man, that may be true, but as Christians, we're not called to safety. We're called to love and be hospitable and all these other things are like, but we disobey God in the name of safety. We even we see a homeless person on the street and out of safety, as soon as we see him, we like cross and go to the other sidewalk. Because I don't even want to have that interaction because it's not safe. We, we, we see someone, maybe you're driving, you know, you pull up to a light and the person's panhandling and we'll, we'll like pull out 10 feet in the intersection. You're not safe, you're about to die. But at least you didn't have to look that person in the eye. With every intention of saying no, you don't even just want to just give them the human dignity of saying no. I'm not going to give you any money. We just, I just want to act like they're not there because of safety. Is that what God's called us to? Is it, was that the, the story of, you know, the Good Samaritan? You know, whatever is, whatever is safe is the best thing to do. Or maybe you just say, I'm not a people person. No, I'm not a people person. I'd say to you, we don't get that option as Christians. The job of Christianity is other people. Now, I get other personalities. Maybe you would never get up here and do this. 
that's all right. Maybe you never get up here and MC. Maybe, you know, you can only, you only got the real capacity to talk to one neighbor instead of five. Maybe the idea of speaking to a stranger, like, causes you actual physical stress, and that's all right. He did make us different. But we, any Christian, no one has the excuse to opt out of interacting with people. That is the job. You say, that's kind of harsh. Well, check this verse out. Right, he says, you're the salt of the earth, right? You are the salt of the earth. Sometimes we feel we, this has to be about having a, a deep conversation. Then say your deep theological conversations. You, just talk to somebody, right? The salt has lost its taste. How should the saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on the people's feet. When I read this, I thought about, back to the convocation, um, I was... We were at the hotel lobby getting, you know, the free breakfast they have. And I see this guy pour himself a, a cup of coffee, you know. And then he doesn't put any cream or sugar in it, which I, to me that's unholy as it is. <laughs> and then so he walks off, and I, I look at what he poured and I ask my dad. I was like, what's decaf? <laughs> and again, I'm like, whatever, nine, ten years old. He's like, oh, it's like short for decaffeinated, you know, it didn't have as much as of a kick or this, this, this. I'm like, but isn't that the point of coffee? <laughs> to like, the caffeine, to wake you up? And he was like, yeah, but some people, this, he keeps going. I'm like, so you're telling me, this dude just poured a cup of black coffee, no cream, no sugar, no caffeine. <laughs> so he's like, so you tell me he has a cup of wet dirt that he decided, this is how I'm going to start my morning. It was just, as a 10-year-old, this is just blowing my mind. Like, <laughs> but God says, Cletus, as crazy as you think that is, I'll, I'll do you one better. I'll up you one. What do you think about salt that has no longer lost its saltiness? He said, now that is useless. But that's what we do. That's the situation we put ourselves in when we hide our light. God didn't save you for you to play your PlayStation all day, for you to be at work all day not talking to your coworkers. He didn't save you to go to a neighborhood and not talk to any of your neighbors, right? Are you becoming saltless salt? Are you submitting to the, the spirit of decaf coffee Now, <laughs> that's funny to me. <laughs> maybe, oh, here we go, all right. Maybe you do believe, maybe you're not scared, maybe you are obedient, you actually do it, but after you do it, we you just try way hard to be humble about it. I just don't want anyone to know that I did that thing. Um, anonymous donations, I'm not going to talk about it. Someone asks, I'm going to deny it. When pastor asks people to stand, I'm not going to do it. I just, I just want to completely play the background and not, no one's going to know that I did this thing. And this kind of has a basis, right? And later in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, once we get to Matthew chapter 6, um, this is just the first of several verses that kind of highlight this. And Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And we kind of take this to heart. It's like, well, I need to make sure people aren't seeing what I'm doing because that, that's the Christian thing to do. Almost if it's, it's a sin to take credit for anything, right? But 
let me show you something. Can you dim some lights for me? Get it, get it decently dark in here. Yeah, give me a little more. Yeah, just, just go for it. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Not everyone had their hand raised earlier, but tell me now, show of hands, who can see this light? Yeah. This is you at work. Your light in the darkness. This is you on your job. This is your house in your neighborhood. This is you on the wrestling team, softball team, basketball, volleyball, football, whatever it is, debate club. This is you. Not saying you're better than anyone. Maybe there is another Christian. But right when you are a light in the darkness, look at this scripture, what it says. Maybe we may look at it. Right? Oh, given, given break. Um, the scripture says... <laughs> it's like the old sunshine band. Start passing the offering plate around. <laughs> it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. There's, and when you're light in the darkness, there's no not seeing you. When you're driving, you can see that other car coming two miles away. If it was completely dark and this wall wasn't here, you'd see that candle from the other in this parking lot. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. It's, it was never about not being seen. You were designed to be seen. This, this, this was the goal. You were to be the light in the darkness, and the light was supposed to draw people in. There's only one way this light isn't seen. What's that way? You can cut them back on, Joel. This is the only way that this light won't be seen in the darkness, is if you hide it under a basket. So, you are to be seen, but I can keep it there. I don't think I need to. Um, I don't know theologically what that means. You can be pulling that out. <laughs> um, you can cut the lights back on, Joel. <coughs> um, but so, you, know, you were never not meant to be seen. But when people see you, they ought to see God. And what they see in you ought to make them glorify God. Right, the, the problem they're addressing throughout Matthew 6 is people who are puffing themselves up to be seen and taking the glory for themselves, not the issue of being seen in and of itself. Right? Men ought to see the good things you're doing and glorify God. What happens is, right, maybe we, not take, we may not take credit in a puffed up way, but just in a passive way. Someone comes to you, oh, you're so patient. And you say, oh, well, you know, I just try to blah, 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 blah. Well, you just took credit for it still. You just gave yourself, you just accepted the glory for your patience. You're so patient. Well, you know, my mama raised me not to, uh, you just, you didn't take it then, but you gave the glory to mom. Maybe true, maybe perfectly, you were not saying don't start lying to people or anything, but who is getting the glory from when people see you like they're supposed to? And most of the time, you will never actually even have that interaction. Most of the time, someone sees you you didn't even know they were watching you. Someone is watching you everywhere you go. And most of them do not come up to you and say what they marveled about you, right? But the difference in what they see when they see you is whether or not you're caught up in your own agenda. I'll give you an example, right? Carrie, uh, not Carrie, uh, 
What's the baby's name? Kinley is four months old. <laughs> Kinley's four months old. And, you know, every now and then she'll cry, and I'll go pick her up the comforter, and I'm like, oh, man, she's, she's just the sweetest thing in the world. And then every now and then, another situation, she cries, and I go to comfort her. I'm like, you are the most annoying thing in the world. But I'm doing the same thing, trying to comfort her. She's doing the same thing. She's crying. The difference is whether or not I want to be doing something else. It's the only difference ever. Saturday at 2 p.m., you see me comforting Kinley, you might think, oh, he loves that baby so much. Tuesday at 2 p.m., when I'm trying to work, you're going to be like, I don't think he should have had kids. But the same thing applies. When, when the bank teller's slow in the bank and, and you got nothing else to do, someone may look at you and say, man, I bet you that dude's a Christian. Like, everyone else is throwing a fit, and he's, like, keeping it together. The same bank, same situation, you got somewhere else to be, they may look at you and say, I bet he's a Christian, too, with seeing how impatient you act. Because we're, we're caught up in our own agenda. I'm here, I'm here at the BMV to take this driving permit, which is natural for you, but the truth is you have no idea why you're there. And usually when we go there and we don't do what we thought we were there to do, we get mad, we get impatient, that was a wasted trip. Well, maybe not. This lady wouldn't stop talking to me in line. Maybe that's why you were there, to talk to that lady. But because you were so caught up in your agenda, uh, I need my light back, right? We cover it up. Don't be so caught up and what you want to do, why you think you're at a place that you forget that you are a light to the world. It's always shining, whether you cover it up or not, right? That, that light didn't go out. I definitely shouldn't have blew that candle out. <laughs> so the idea is to know your real job. Know your real job. Steward your light. And as you go back through uh, the, where are we? Paul, can you go to the list with all four there? Uh, it'll be the easiest thing to do. Um, when you look at some of those things, when you look at what I'm asking you to do, the mindset, you may say, Cletus, that's, that's, that's hard to do, right? To do all these things, to keep this mindset, this stewardship mindset all the time. And I would push back to you and say, it's not hard. I would say it's impossible. You cannot do this on your own power. You just can't. What can make it easier, right, to be more able to submit to, to what God's trying to do, the, the quicker you understand that what you have is not because of you, all of these things can become so much easier, right? We, we get caught up on, on miracles and the spirituality, can God really heal? But everyone who claims to be a Christian expects God to raise their dead body and go to heaven. That is the most impossible thing you can think of. But yeah, we believe that, but all these other things are like, oh, I don't know if I really believe that could happen. But the core thing you believe in is the most impossible. So when you realize that you're not saved under your own efforts, not because of the good things you do, but because God had mercy on your soul, believing all these other things doesn't become as hard. Once you realize that you have this job or you made that team because God gifted you with the talent you have, God gifted you with the knowledge to get that degree or whatever it is, right, you realize, I got nothing to lose. I didn't... I didn't get this job myself. I, didn't, I don't have these talents myself simply because of my hard work. God gave these things to me. 
Right? When, when you realize that this is, this is how God saves the world, by our light going out inside in the darkness, you, you're more likely to be obedient because it's like, this, this is what needs to happen. This is, this is how God's going to rescue the world. And once you see people coming to Christ because of God's glory that they see in you, you're going to be more likely to not want to always shy away and play the background. It's an impossible task on your own effort. But as we submit ourselves more and acknowledge that we aren't the reason that we have the things we have, I think we'll be more likely to steward our light and not hide it um, from the world. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.